0: The Doctor Supercoach Podcast. You're on here with Chizo and Pistol. How are you there, Legend? Yeah, really good, thanks. Can't wait for round one, just around the corner. It's the end of the JLT. We've only got, I think, four days to go until the real deal kicks off uh, with Richmond and uh, Carlton. I can't think of a better game to be kicking off uh, the new season of AFL there, Pistol. <laughs> Such a, a fantastic game to watch. Yeah, can you really call that the real deal? Yeah, I'm not sure if it is actually an upgrade from the JLT or not. we're going to touch on quite a few different things today, moving on to the midfielders everyone's kind of been hanging out for this one um, very interested to see what kind of strategies we've got this year compared to, to past years how many bid prices people are going what rookies can we find unearthed uh, below the rest, but the first thing I want to jump into Pistol, uh, we've had some donations to uh, Harry's little cancer council fund that we've got going here, um, he's doing well after his second bout of uh, chemotherapy uh, we're up to 220 22 bucks there, Pistol, going great guns even before the season starts. So thanks to everyone out there. Um, I think one of your, your best mates, Paul, in the, uh, the number three division for uh, the Dr. Supercoach uh, leagues uh, has put in a bit of money there. So uh, maybe he's already paying for his donuts that he's going to get forced into this year, mate. <laughs> I hope so because then I might be able to beat him. But I am looking forward <laughs> to the, the competition with Paul in the Div 3 league this year. There's a nice little bit of banter going on between you two. I hear that he thinks he's going to destroy you this year. Oh, we'll, we'll see. It's early days.
1: I'll let him have it for <laughs> now. And, uh, yeah, just thanks very much, Paul, for the donation, along with um, Jack. Jack's a great guy, so thanks for uh, donating. We know Jack. And Shane, a.k.a. General Soreness, uh, love your work, so thanks for donating as well. Really
0: appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely there Pistol Um, Going great guns so far Any of those guys uh, wanting to send in uh, their team For a little bit of uh, advice from us Can inbox the page Uh, More than happy to do that for those that have donated Um, It's absolutely great to hear Uh, We've been getting a a fair bit of uh, traffic On the the, the iTunes link now Pistol Everyone seems to be uh, starting to figure out That we actually have an iTunes account again this year And they can find the podcast Pistol
1: Yeah it's great So uh, yeah thanks guys for finding it Sharing the word and reviewing
0: it. All right, Pistol, and uh, don't forget that we've got the Super Coach Championship rings going with the affiliate link through us, where you get ten percent off there. Pistol, uh, you're looking uh, looking happy to try and win that one in uh, our uh, our keeper league this year, mate. Well, we haven't even finished the draft yet, so I'll tell you at the <laughs> end. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to try and run everyone through the uh, the draft that um, we're going through, but because uh, we're across cross countries and we can't all, all, all find a sit down and do the the draft at one time, I think we're up to like. The third day, that you know, unlimited time frame, waiting for people to take their picks, and we're still got quite a few picks to go. So hopefully, <laughs> we finish, but
1: before round one.
0: Yeah, hopefully that we can finish before Thursday, and we can actually kick it off. Otherwise, uh, I think it's going to auto-fill our teams, mate. <laughs> I just need to ask one question. I'm sure other people yes. are interested. Did you pick Darcy Parish? Uh, I can safely say that I did pick, uh, pick Darcy Parish. He's in my side. <laughs> You can't have him. I did have to pay a little bit of overs for him. I actually thought... Um, I think I picked him up with, like, pick 74 or something like that. I was actually reasonably happy that he went that late in what I, in what is quite a deep keeper league. Yeah, no, it was a very good pick for that, that round.
1: I was uh, looking at getting him, but you beat me to it. <laughs> I
0: know, I had two picks before you. I, I could kind of sense kind of sense that you were looking at picking him up soon because there was a few little young guys going off the table. I was like, no, I better just grab him now, lock him up a few rounds early to make sure no one else gets his hands on him. No, you've done well. (laughs) All right, mate, let's jump into uh, the midfielders for 2017. Um, The first thing that I think that we can talk about this year is the uh, same as always, the difference between previous seasons. This year we do have some properly legitimate top um, top ten potential players that are underpriced. Because of that injury history, you've got the, the likes of Dane Beams, you've got the likes of Nat Fife. A lot of people are saying they're not um, they're not locks. they you know their injury history you've got to take into account. But for me, they were two of the first two players though locked straight in pistol because I think they're, the benefit of having them definitely outweighs the risk of them going down.
1: Yeah, I actually agree with you 100%. So Fife and Beams are uh, well, I can't I can't lie and say Fife was in my side for the entire time, but he after the second JLT, not the third, so didn't jump on after that massive score, but um, yeah, the second one I'm like, "All right, actually I maybe need to put Fife in my side." Going through his past scores more in depth, I'm like, "All right, all right, I'm sold at 573 500. It's really good value. I'm sure everyone's got Fife now, so I can move on from that. But uh, there's also some other players, um, like Diego Amira. actually hasn't left my side all preseason. He's only 318,900, and he looks raring to go, and honestly, I can't wait to watch him play and see what he can bring to the table. And obviously, uh, Dane Beams, I have a big crush on Dane Beams. He was one of my favorite players at Collingwood, Unfortunately, he moved, and I still got his uh, memorabilia up on my wall, which
0: is a bit sad. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit more about it, um, individual players later on, and why they're, they're more relevant than others. Um, but I think this year is definitely the year that you see a lot, kind of a lot more depth going through that midfield in terms of underpriced or mid-price players. Um, you know, you've got the, the likes of Fife, Beams, uh, even Mark Murphy, you've got a O'Meara, you've got a Swallow, you've got a Scott Selwood. There's a lot of value underpriced this year, but a lot of people are kind of loading up with maybe five, six of these guys, and then not even considering other uh, other um, lines where you could have a Sanderlands, a Wits, a Nan Curvis, a Jack Steele, a Jordan, uh, Jared Roughhead, all of these kind of guys. Is it too dangerous to go too deep with underpriced, injury-prone players in the midfield, Pistol?
1: It's incredibly dangerous, but at the same time, I feel like, I know I've repeated myself, but our hand is forced just because of rookie options. It's absolutely destroying our sides. I mean, the only real lock in the midfield is uh, Powell Pepper from Port at 135,300. Other than that, it's, I mean, there's other options but they're not great so people are seemingly spreading their money a bit more in the mid-price range just so that they don't have to pick dodgy rookies what about the teams that have swallow at
0: m8 is that too far for you i think it's slightly too far like i'm hearing everyone saying oh we've got absolutely no mid prices we have to go super deep in the midfield have jaeger swallow m7 m8 I don't necessarily agree with that. Depending what kind of structures you've got, like we said, we talked about this last week. It's not that we don't have rookies to pick. It's that our confidence in them this year is a little bit lower. So um, I've elected to have a Taranto in the forward line I think Eddie is definitely a bench option you should be choosing from. Uh, Dan Butler's just been confirmed by Richmond's Twitter that he's making his debut in round one after playing all three JLT matches. That is some really good... I think that kind of ups the confidence that we can have in him. That means you can have the likes of Jared Pickett as a, a, a midfield rookie if you're going that kind of area. And that takes one of those one of those spots that you're a little bit cautious about off the midfield, you pick a power pepper, you pick a picket or a Barrett in the midfield, you really only need to find one guy that's, you know, more than 50% likely to be playing. And you can afford to have someone like a power pepper or a Taranto on the ground that we do have great confidence in. Sure. But if you can't find that one extra person, uh, I
1: have no problems with people having solo at M8 as long as the rest of the side is still somewhat balanced.
0: Yeah, we just need to find, uh, say, one of Parfit, uh, Mitch Hibbard, Tia Miles, uh, Harry Wig. There's four of those guys there that are all in the running to play round one. It's not that we don't have um, we don't have a play that we can pick and will play round one. It's just picking the best of the four options that we have that don't really excite us as much as what we think. I personally have Swallow or have Jaeger as my M7 and a Power Pepper on an M8 because I'm happy to have one of these guys on the ground. I have a very strong feeling that Jared Pickett is, uh, I've got very good confidence in his job security. Jake Barrett, I actually feel really, really good about it. Brisbane, so if Power Pepper for whatever reason is not playing, I'm happy that I do have some rookie cover on the bench. I probably wouldn't go too deep in the midfield for that reason because I do have confidence that you can play a power pepper on the ground. He may only put up 60s and 70s, but that's all a a rookie has ever scored. But I probably wouldn't be uh, – we've seen some teams come through that have like a Danger, a JPK, a Fife and a Beams, and then they have three rookies on the ground. That's too far for me in the other direction. I think the right balance is – personally for me, I'm going to try and go with one uh, one rookie on the ground – and try and fit in a couple mid-prices just because, as you said, we don't have that depth in rookies this year. We have to try and make it up in the mid-prices. And I, I think it's risky personally, but I am going to try and uh, try and risk it to pick an O'Meara and pick a Swallow, uh, pick a Scott Selwood, pick a Jack Steele, so one combination of these just to kind of stretch out that midfield without having to spend so much before I get into the rookie's pistol?
1: Well, no, I mean, that makes sense to me. But while we're talking about these uh, rookie options, we should probably just mention um, Harry Wigg, as you said before, from Adelaide. He does come in at 123000 He could play round one. I'm not sure. It depends on the injuries, who's out, who's in. So you're going to have to wait and see. Um, As well as Declan Mountford, I think he's a chance for North Melbourne, although I don't have confidence in his long-term job security, but he
0: don't be surprised if he's also named round one. You're absolutely right. And talking about Harry Wigg, um, I'll throw some stats out for you now that you might find interesting. He only played the first two JLT games, but he is a proven ball winner, which we've touched on um, before. He only had 66% time on ground in game one, only 56% um, percent in game two. But over, if he was uh, playing uh, a normal season match, when you're expecting 70 to 80% time on ground, he's actually averaging mid 60s. And for a bottom price rookie, 124k rookie, if I can get a 65 out of a guy that and have decent job security, I'm actually happy with that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, um, so before we get too caught up in the rookies and who we're going to go and what kind of their, their mid-price points and all that kind of stuff, we'll touch on what we usually do. We'll go to the top. What, who we see as the, uh, the premium guys that we should be picking this year. And it's always a little bit more difficult in the midfield because there are so many options that can have that 110-plus year. And considering the top eight all went 111-plus last year, uh, or even the top 10 went 111-plus, Who do you see this year combining to be in the top 10? i I tell you right now, we know Dangerfield's going to be in there. Uh, Pendles is going to be in there. I'm going to say Gaz is going to be in there. (laughs) What do you think about that? Uh, Do you you honestly think he's going to play more uh, more forward time? I'm not of that belief.
1: No, I think he'll play more forward time than previous years, but, I mean, that's only a little bit more. I wouldn't say it's going to be spending 80% in the forward or something like that, maybe... He has a split, maybe a 70-30 split or something like that. But I think it will be enough that he decreases his score, that he falls out of the top 10 midfielders.
0: So out of the top 10 midfielders from last year, we had Danger, Pendles, uh, Gaz, JPK, Hannes, Lockie Neal, uh, Luke Parker, Joel Selwood um, of the the top eight. And then we had Zach Merritt and Adam Trelaw as the two entrants into the top 10 you're only seeing Gaz jumping out of that. Is it? You don't see anyone else falling off. <laughs> I also see Zach Merritt. Don't
1: think. Uh, I think you're trying to trick me and hoping I forget about <laughs> your boy there. But <laughs> I think Zach Merritt's a good chance of dropping out. Um, I probably, if I had to pick a replacement, if that's where you're going, I'm going to replace those two people with uh, Rory Sloan Probably jumps in for me,
0: and yep. maybe even uh, Marcus Bontempelli. Okay, yeah, so Bont is someone that went, uh, after round six, I think he went at 115, 116 supercoach from that, that point of time. We're not talking about a guy that, you know, had a, a good five-week stretch. We're talking about a 20-year-old, 21-year-old player that just averaged 115 for 16 weeks straight. Yeah, I think in his last seven games or, or something like that, he
1: averaged 124, so... He's definitely got it in him to be a massive, massive like bargain and also a massive scorer. So he's one to keep an eye on. Um, if you've got him in your team, I wouldn't remove him, that's for sure. But also I'm not entirely sure what role he'll have given they're going to be, you'd think Bulldogs will be much more healthy this year than last year as well. Um, he might play a bit more forward, but it doesn't really matter because Bont just dominates wherever he
0: plays. Because obviously the, the Bulldogs, their team, their system is to have 10 guys that rotate as those forward midfielders that rotate consistently. And there was a stat going around um, in the, uh, the AFL prospectus that I touch on every week. Pelly spent the most minutes for the Western Bulldogs in the midfield all year. Okay, he was He spent the most time in the midfield of any Bulldogs player. However, if you compare the player that spent the most midfield time for all the clubs, he spent the least amount of time in the midfield compared to everyone else. So JPK spent the most time in the midfield for Sydney Swans at something like 85%. Bont was in the the low 70s. If he does get that slight change in role he will absolutely go bananas. And it's it's so hard to predict what's going to happen because their structure is to roll through there like that. And as you say, even if he averages 115, coming off um, a little bit of an interrupted preseason, you might say, Pistol, 115 puts him to third based on last year's averages, mate. Yeah, and I think it also should be uh, said with the lack of a the rule for the
1: third... Sorry, tongue-tied. With the third-man-up rule getting changed, uh, Bontempele did average a couple of hit-outs a game, so that also is something to take into consideration. He might drop, you know, two, three points per game just because of that rule change. However, with natural improvement, you imagine it would offset that change anyway. So, yeah, it's a a bit hard to predict for someone so
0: young and so talented. Yeah, exactly right. He he was one of the most... um uh prevalent for being that third man up at contests obviously for the western western bulldogs without a bona fide ruckman that um they definitely did use that that third man up option a lot more however on the flip side you could say that now that he can't jump over the top and be third man up is there the potential that he is now going to get that one extra um, shark t- uh, hit out or um, t- take that another tap to advantage and get his points up that way?
1: <laughs> oh, it's always possible. But uh, just I think moving on from Bont because we've spent a lot of time talking about him. Yeah. We can't can't get enough. I think Fife also enters the top ten players, um, maybe at the expense of someone like Lockie Neal or Luke Parker, who I'm not sure can hold on for different reasons uh, Locking Neal being five is back so there's going to be a bit more uh, sharing over there although um, I can't imagine to be a massive drop off and Luke Parker that's just gut feel really he'll probably be 11th uh, if not 10th anyway so yeah that probably rounds out my top 10
0: yeah, obviously with the Swans, you've got the JPK, uh, Hannahs and Parker all average between um, 112 to 113. So they're all basically on par points-wise. With Titch leaving who was you know, 103 to 105 range... Does one of these guys take that extra midfield rotation, get that extra in and under, that extra kick that actually pops them up higher than the 113 to the 115 and kind of extend themselves above to that next level um, to, to what, say, uh, a Scott Pendlebury in comparison averages six points more than JPK? I
1: mean, it's possible, but uh, there's also other options, but which we didn't mention, uh, being Tom Rockliffe, uh, Zorko, um, I think even a Callan Ward is it's possible, Tom Mitchell as you, you briefly touched on as well, new club could could increase his average, all these players could push for the top 10, I'm not really sure uh, I wouldn't say it's a definite top 10, although there's probably a definite top 5 or 6 that you'd think will, will 100% be there
0: Yeah, absolutely, do you think uh, it, this is just in my opinion, with the Emergence, I want, emergence isn't the right word, but the emergence of Dane Beams, you know, becoming captain, becoming that new that new leader in the midfield and actually probably um, playing consistent games this year by the looks of how his fitness is going. I can actually probably see Tom Rockliffe dropping off more than increasing only because he's no longer going to be that one getting the cheap balls in and under all the time. He's no longer the go-to player for all the young kids to, to fire it out to. And he was never that damaging to begin with. He's, he, he was never a damaging midfielder because um, he, he never had high amount of metres gained. And whereas Beams is that, that bona fide midfielder that has averaged 120 in the past. Um, I, I If anything, I, I would probably argue that someone takes Tom Rock, Rockliffe's place at around the 10th spot. And do you think that will be a positive or negative on someone like Dane Zorko? I think it'll probably be a positive for Dane Zorko because again he is a very good disposer of the ball. He's now he's now no longer a mid forward because he is consistently playing through the midfield. I don't. First thing I'll say is all these guys locking him into the midfield based on the hundred and seventies and things that he got in the JLT. That's we know he can do that once or twice a season. He will. Not, I don't see Dane Zorko averaging one hundred and twenty for a season at any point in time. If it was him or Rockleaf to choose between, I would go Rockleaf because his consistent ceiling... But I don't see either of them... Um, it's kind of the, the same thing with Sydney. You've got JPK, Parker and Hannes. They, neither of them can really have a completely dominant year because now with Rockliffe, Zorko and Beams, they will have those three kind of really good midfielders running through there that they don't have that one guy that they always give the ball to, like they did to Rockliffe a few years ago or they did to Gaz a few years ago. I, I think they're going to slightly cancel each other out.
1: No, I, I agree with you there as well. But I also do see Zorko improving a bit on last year just because Beams is there as well. He's going to take a tiny bit more attention, although he probably would still go to Zorko first. Um, as you said, it just helps out. It's not like Brisbane... Uh, they need the help. <laughs> if, they, if they can win a couple more games, people are going to get a couple more points and the biggest ball winners get more points generally. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, my order between them. I'd be probably... Still picking Rockcliffe above Zorco,
0: but I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> I'll throw one to you that you can't sit on the fence about. One guy that can push up into the top 10 quite easily if he has an injury-free year and doesn't decide to try and decapitate himself in going into a contest. Plays for Adelaide. Rory Sloan, Pistol. What are your thoughts? Oh, I love Rory, Rory Sloan. That's uh, my gut
1: instinct. I had Rory pretty much all... <laughs> All until last week, um, I just got a little bit scared of the uh, recurring facial injuries. And look, if you look at their draw, I think from rounds three to nine, Adelaide have the, the best draw in the competition, and I expect him to absolutely dominate. The, probably the biggest problem with Rory Sloan isn't actually to do with Rory Sloan himself. He's perfect. Don't worry, guys. But it's the buys. Eyes <laughs> oh, hair's perfect. It's the buys. Uh, <laughs> round 13 buy. He's sharing it with Collingwood. He's sharing it with Fremantle. And Hawthorne and Essendon and GWS. So, you're looking at if you got a Pendles, you got a Trelaw, you got a Fife, you might have a Neil, you could have a Heppel or a Job, even a uh, Jaeger, and then you've got all these players in the same buy. Not a good thing. Um, I would not start four premiums in the midfield with the same buy. So, if I'm going to pick the ones that I'm going to start with, I would probably uh, pick a Collingwood midfielder, Fife. And then maybe not a Sloan just so I can play that play and see how it goes. Um, assuming a lot of people have Jaeger although he'll probably be upgraded before then.
0: Yeah, true. The okay, I'll pose it to you. This one, just basically a A or B selection: Rory Sloan or Adam Trelaw. Oh, you're breaking my heart here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would probably
1: go Trelaw. This is this could be easier. Take his game to another level. He's already at you know 111 average. I think he can push it to 115. Don't think Sloan's not capable of going 115, even, even more. He's done it before. He has. Um, I just think that Troll is a slightly better chance. Also, he's more fun to watch for me personally because I uh, <laughs> go for Collingwood. So yeah. <laughs>
0: for me, I'd pick Troll over Sloan. Um, I don't think there'd be much in it. Yeah. Um, another guy that I think can really push it up this season, I'm not sure if he makes... I'm not sure if he makes 115 this year, but I definitely see him on the cusp of the top 10, and that's Paddy Cripps. Same kind of uh, realm as what Bontempelli is. I really see these two young guys really stamping their claim this year. Paddy Cripps more on the side that he is now that, basically that lead dog in the Carlton midfield. Where do you see Patrick Cripps ending up this year if he uh, is physically okay to play round one?
1: Uh, to be honest, I think he ends up about maybe fifteenth. I don't think he'll have uh, that much improvement in the the rankings. Yeah. Um, so that's just because the Colton aren't very good, to put it bluntly. And sure, he'll get better, but I can't see him getting you know ten points per game better to, to make it above the one fifteen mark. I think maybe he improves three to four, three to five, maybe. But I, either way, that's not enough for a top ten mid. But sure. Well, it's borderline top 10 mid, to be honest. So he's definitely not a bad pick. He um, could be a great pick, but it's for me, the risk is like you're paying 585 k for Crips or you just pay 20 k more for a Selwood who's averaged over 110 for like six years or something. Yeah. So for 20 you k know, you, you may as well just cut out the risk there. Um, unless, of course... You love Crips, you love Carlton, you want to watch him play and go for it, have some fun. <laughs> we still, definitely still a have a pick. couple of those guys, don't we? Oh, it's still still a good pick regardless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to ask you about this player. We've been seeing him in a lot of teams as well.
0: Tell me your thoughts on Heppel. I love the bloke. Captain of our club, he was always going to be captain this year because... He has the most fantastic hair you'll ever see in the AFL. He's, he's a great leader. I think I was talking to you not that long ago that I compare him very much to a Trelaw. I see his, his kind of uh, very pinnacle of his career, I can see him averaging 115 in Supercoach. I don't think it'll be this year. If I see Trelaw, um, there's going to be a time where these guys are right at the top of Supercoach. I don't see Heppel being one of those guys this year. There's too much. um, There's there's not enough wiggle room for him to be a stepping stone if he doesn't become a top ten keeper. If you're if he's just a if he slides out to an M8, then you've outlaid too much money at the start of the year and got not enough in return. If you're picking Heppel, you're picking him to be a keeper. If he's being a keeper, as we've just said, he needs to make that top 10, which means he needs to average 112 for the year. I just don't see it happening. I absolutely love the guy. Not as 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 much as I love Darcy Parrish, but at the same time, I think he's going to be an absolutely fantastic player this year. He's going to lead from the front. He's going to be absolutely exceptional. He probably averages around 28 touches this year. I don't see him going high enough to pick him from the start. And for that reason, if I was picking between, say, a Dyson Heppel and uh, a Joe Watson, who's considerably cheaper, I'd go with Joe Watson because even though he might only average 100 or 105, you don't have to have such a big outlay for him to be that stepping stone.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly my feelings as well. You're probably getting 107, 108 from Heppel, and you're stuck at M8 all year. That's already a red flag. Then you've got the round 13 buy, which is shared with all the top premium uh, midfielders as well. So it's a black flag, and there we go, you've got Essendon.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, the last thing we'll touch on, say, premiums for the midfield. What do you think the arrivals of Dion Prestia and Josh Caddy do for the likes of Dustin Martin and Trent Cotchin?
1: Um, gut Feeling says Cochin improves just having more help in the inside because usually gets smashed every week Dustin Martin I think it, he probably stays the same or drops a little bit because now he can be afforded the ability to play kind of that more half-forward role just because he's not forced to get the ball from the inside um, so yeah Gut Feeling Dusty drops a little bit Pressier actually might be quite a solid pick he has averaged I think 108 in the past um, and is priced only at 93 so not bad, but again, you're kind of stuck with this awkward M8 that best-case scenario goes 108 again, and it's good, it's decent, like, you'd be happy, but there is that risk that he just gets stuck at 103, 104, and then, yeah, you've paid a lot of money when you may
0: sort of well paid, you know, 80K more and grabbed the bond. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll talk about kind of those underpriced guys. We'll talk about the Beams and the Murphy. We do have the history of Beams... Absolutely, I think if Beams plays consistently, he is an absolute no-brainer. He'll go 115 plus. Do you agree? Yep, 100%. Okay. You've got a Mark Murphy, exactly the same price, $432,000. If he plays consistent, consistently, I'm seeing him in a lot of teams, I think he can average 100. I can think he'd be uh, similar to a Cochran and go 100, 101. Priced at... Um, you know, the, the, the low 400,000s, there's a little bit of money to be made from him, but I don't think priced at an 80... I, I, I think he, he's if he does average 100, he's worthwhile as a stepping stone. But again, it's so much money to put out. You can't have a Beams and a Murphy both as stepping stones when you've got the likes of O'Meara Swallow and Scott Selwood that will touch on a sec that can also take that position in the midfield.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a bit too much money for a bit too much risk. I mean, personally, I think he'll go closer to ninety-five than a hundred. And when you when he's priced at already four hundred thousand, you're you're only making what like maximum ninety k or so. So it's yeah. not even really worth the trades to to start him and then trade him out to someone else. Um, beams, I can see obviously averaging above one hundred and ten. So for for me, his his definite lock. Um, I think if you had to. Gun to my head, would I choose Clayton Oliver or would I choose Murphy? I probably would just risk it
0: on Clayton Oliver because he's yeah. a bit cheaper. Yep, absolutely. And he doesn't have that injury history and that burden of being in such a poor side that we've seen wear guys down in the past and the, the Tom Rockliffs and the Garys, these kind of guys that have been worn down because of it. With a Clayton Oliver, he you know, he has youth on his side, yes, but he also has a lot of guys, the the Nathan Jones and the Jack Vineys and these kind of. Um, he's got the 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 better players around him that can allow him to be that bull at the gate, trying to um, use his, his skills explosively out of a pack, like we've seen in the JLT. Again, a lot of people have have been getting um, Clayton Oliver in there, thinking he's going to go one oh five or that you know they're they're happy with the hundred points. You know that's fine, but. To me, I would rather go a David Swallow that's basically $100,000 cheaper that has proven he can go 103 a couple years ago when he won the BNF at the Gold Coast. For me, I feel like someone that's priced at 50,000... Sorry, at 50 points... There's a whole there's a whole range a lot more range for him to to improve on rather than a Clayton Oliver that maybe only has a 20 point jump whereas if David Swallow plays a full season I can't see him going any lower than 95 95 that's quite high well that's te- it's 8 points less than what he did 2 years ago
1: I don't think that Swallow will go 95 okay he's he's currently not in my side Okay, so I'm guessing you've gone an Amira over him? I have gone Omira over him, yep. Yeah. So my reasoning behind that is I think Amira is just a superior player and watching him play, when watching both of them play, I think it's uh, interesting to note in the first two JLTs where Swallow scored in the 80s, he went at 95% efficiency and 100% efficiency. And then the last game when he had a bit of a stinker, um, for memory he scored like 63 or so, he didn't use the ball very well, whereas you got Omira butchering it a couple couple times and still scoring in the eighties or around hundred as well. And I just think he's gonna get more of the ball, goes forward, more damaging, just a better super coach player in general, and he's only thirty K more, so if i had to choose between one and choose O'Meara. but doesn't mean i think swallow is a bad
0: pick if i had the money i would also pick swallow okay so in in the jlt swallow um, had only 66% time on ground but if we averaged his score over 80% game time during the the season proper he's averaging 93 in his first few games um, first few afl level games that he's had for a number of years but Tell
1: me how you increase your points if you already have 100% disposal efficiency.
0: I think they probably protect him a little bit more. I didn't see him being that number one guy inside the... Uh, being that inside player. I think they protected him a little bit more for um, the season proper. And just to, Again, just showing your stats, what we had. Jaeger Omira only averaged 71 percent time on ground and when you average it out to 80 percent time on ground for the season proper he only averaged 86. Well there we go. So I I, I definitely if I was looking at it on the outside someone that um, was just doing on a pure statistical basis for me David Swallow at $40,000 cheaper Works better for me because you don't need him to get go to um, that high. If you pick Omira over Swallow, Omira has to outperform Swallow by five points this year. That his his average. If Swallow goes ninety-five, Omira has to go a hundred to justify it. I can see the the reason I'm going Swallow over Omira is because I see them basically identically this year. I see them both going that ninety to hundred range, and I don't see Omira outscoring Swallow by enough to make up that extra, f- um, 40k that you can spend on elsewhere that has managed me to be able to get um, McRae in my forward line over a Toby Green, which I don't think has the capacity to go 100, unlike McRae. Well,
1: then you've done something wrong because I already have McRae. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it,
0: it's, just, it, it's just something that I wanted to kind of illuminate to other people because everyone's kind of saying, uh, Amira did this in this game and Swallow was no good. We didn't see him. But just looking at the raw statistical data, I really like what Swallow did And, yes, he played a little bit more outside, but if that's the role they're going to use him for, he's more likely to play more games than, say, an O'Meara that's going hard at the ball. And, you know, with no one to tag at the the Hawthorne side, are they not susceptible to sending just a little bit of attention his way when he starts playing like Jaeger can? I'm sure Jaeger will draw attention
1: because it's Jaeger, but I'm also convinced that he's actually quite a good player and will be able to deal with it so yeah I guess it's a wait and see we don't really know um we just do the best obviously you've used your my own stats against me so I can't really say much i kind of had to shut up and just hope that uh, Jaeger didn't use it as well and hopefully he doesn't butcher it as much in the season proper and can increase on his uh 86 points per 80 percent
0: time on ground as you said before yeah can you see the uh, the ben uh, like adjust? Can you justify having both of them?
1: I don't think you have to. Obviously, if you're picking them, you you are aware of the risk, so you know what you're doing. You're not thinking, yeah, this is a hundred percent. There's n- this is there's no way this is going to backfire. So if you take that into consideration, maybe you upgrade someone in your forward line. Maybe you make it, uh, you don't get sandy. I don't know why you do that, but um, you just take out some risk in other parts of your team, and that's you're like, all right, this is the midfielder I've got. Um, you know, it's all risk reward. You could really dominate if you nail all of these. If all these mid prices and uh, cheaper plays come out and average of 110,
0: then you, you're laughing all the way to the 50k. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I, I'm totally on board with that. Like the 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 way that I have structured my side, I can fit them in if I wanted to. But I'm the amount of risk that I've taken across the rest of my side, I'm not sure that I want to have that many mid-prices in the midfield, but I'm kind of forced to do by the rookies, and that's a good segue to jump across the rookies. We've talked about Sam Pell-Pepper, we've talked about Tim Taranto previously on our Forward Line podcast, who would be the fringe kind of guys that you're looking at?
1: Uh, probably Brandon Parfitt from Geelong at 117k, he's uh, a mid-forward rookie, but you know, I'm not really convinced on him. I'm not really convinced on anyone else besides Pickett as that mid-forward option. Um, I, we have talked about Powell, Pepper, Barrett, and Wig, and then the outside chance that Declan Mountford gets a game. I think you can stick Mitch Hibbert there if you wanted to, maybe create that backlink. Again, I'm not sure. Like, if he if he does get a game, probably Mountford doesn't. If Mountford gets a game, probably Hibbert doesn't, even though yeah. different roles. But, you know, it's still just one rookie spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm not really comfortable with anything, to be honest. Like, I'm just uh, hoping that, but when round one comes, uh, we get some good news and there's some surprise selection
0: of a, a someone with great job security that will over sixty. <laughs> that, that's the well, dream. Uh, okay, strategy-wise, how do you feel about sending more um, kind of forward? only so quite often we have like a mid forward swing in the forward line like a, a Tim Taranto or a Jared Pickett on the bench in the forward line Jared Pickett specifically is there more relevance this year having a Jared Pickett or um, say like a Tia Miles in our midfield and having like a Dan Butler and a Brett Eddy on the bench in the forward line just because we're so pressed to try and find those midfield rookies that we should try and at least find more job security, relevant players like a picket and put them on our midfield bench rather than our forwards.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, usually we're trying to do the opposite of that and squeezing as many midfielders into our side as possible. But this year, because the lack of rookies, I think um, Butler's already been confirmed to debut for round one. Um, If he plays well and the side wins, he's going to keep his spot. Obviously, if he doesn't perform, he's out anyway, but that's with any rookie. So you prefer knowing that the dude's going to play round one so if you can put Pick in your midfield and Chuck Butler on your forward bench it's probably a better option than picking a, a, a Mountford or a you know Mitch Hibbert who might, might just be dropped or
0: not even named round one anyway yeah and along with uh, Parfit another guy that um, we were talking about is Tia Miles and While he did play a fair amount of time on ground um, during the JLT, he played all three games, averaged 74% time on ground, which you can kind of read that in the two ways. You can kind of read it as they're giving him a chance or they think they're uh, kind of planning for him to play. And I'm kind of on the 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 side of the fence that says they were just giving him that chance in the JLT just to see what he can do at the AFL level. I'm less of the side of the fence where people are putting him at, say, M10, M11, expecting him to play. He might start the season, if we're lucky, he might play one or two games. But, you know, as soon as you get Hodge back, um, Tia Miles is playing off the halfback flank. When Hodge comes back, where does he go? You know, like, I, I'm really, really, really worried that the people that have him are going to be ending up with a rolling donut through the midfield because he might play two day, two games here have 10 weeks off and then you know play two games again and on top of that of his 74% that he averaged time on ground he was only averaging 58 points which you know for a rookie is great but i can get that from the the forward line from a Brett Eddy yeah, to be honest,
1: I'm not going to be starting Miles. I think he will play throughout the year at some stages. I just, even though if, if his name's round one, I think he's out straight away. So, for me, yeah, I'm staying
0: away from Miles. Yeah. Um, all right, mate. What kind of uh, structure do you think that you that you're looking at between um, this season? I think I'm definitely going to go uh, kind of uh, two big guns, uh, maybe like a, a Pendles and a Dangerfield up front. Um, I'm definitely going to pick, say, a fife and a beams. Are you going to run with uh, like a, a double mid price option? You're going to have um, all the, go your midfield deep to only have power pepper at uh, say M9 on the bench. What's kind of your thinking so far leading up into round one? I think I'm going to have a bit of a heavy midfield.
1: I'm thinking at this stage of having uh, probably four players above 600k in my midfield. So yeah, just splashing the cash there. I'm not going to opt for swallow unless the rookie situation becomes very dire, in which case I'll downgrade one of my uh, big guns to swallow and I will be taking, um, yeah, Beams and Omira.
0: All right, Pistol, that pretty much wraps up our pre-season preview uh, for all across the lines there, mate. Been lovely chatting to you. Always a pleasure. I think we'll leave it at that. I'll talk to you later, Pistol.
1: Looking forward to the AFL season and thanks for chatting.